good evening, everyone. It's Sean the Baptist with you for Sean the Baptist Live on this uh, June 2nd. We are we are finally out of Easter, Pentecost, everything. We are we're back to well, what is called ordinary time in the uh, modern calendar, or I like better time through the year, tempus per annum in the uh, the Latin and uh, gives us a better sense of, of simply just, well, it's ordinary. Now it's it's the time where we, we go through the year with uh, Jesus. And I'm doing something a little bit uh, a little bit different tonight. I thought I uh, I promised last week when I was talking some scouting stuff that I would I would give well a little bit of a scouting theme tonight. So I'm wearing my uniform here. You know, I've been a scout a long time, so I got I got all the stuff. Uh, I, I do the, the scouting thing. It's it's my 35th year of uh, being a scout. And uh, so I, I talk a lot about it. A lot of my, my homilies come from scouting experience. And uh, so it's a, it's a pretty big deal uh, for me. And one of the things that I, I really do love to do. So um, I, am, I am happy to uh, today try to share a little bit of that uh, with you. And um, it's a, it's pretty timely uh, because uh, tomorrow evening, in fact, Thursday Thursday evening, I I am going to be flying from Kansas City to Albuquerque, where I will stay overnight in Albuquerque, and then on Friday, I am going back to Philmont. I want to go back to Philmont. Want to go back to Philmont where the old rattle flows, the water's so low. So I I want to be there, and I'm gonna be. Uh, it's um, a special place, uh, and I'm going to spend the whole month of June as a, a chaplain down at, at Philmont Scout Ranch in New Mexico, and we will we will talk all about that, uh, and so you can get uh, an idea of of what what that is about. What what is this Philmont that I keep talking about, and particularly um, why does it matter? What's all this scouting stuff about? You know, fill us in. Father Sean, we don't understand the, the scouting stuff. And so I will I will happily oblige to to try to explain tonight um well a little bit of what all this scouting stuff is about, why I do it and why it's uh an important uh ministry that uh you know I certainly believe in and uh I look forward to to sharing a little bit of it with you. Uh before we get to to that, I as I did say a little bit of a liturgy update. Um this is the the time we get back to the through the year with Jesus, and uh, so in case you're wondering, the the days after Pentecost are what they're called in the extraordinary form, and I really like that because uh, it gives a, a sense of not just ordinary, but uh, these are the days after Pentecost. What are we going to do with that? So spiritually, that's where we're at. Uh, we are living after Pentecost. So we had the the whole celebration of Pentecost, then the the octave of Pentecost. And and now we live in the the days after uh, Pentecost. So uh, that's where we're living in the church's calendar, and so we focus on living out the Holy Spirit. So uh, that's what that's about during this time. So there's your kind of spiritual nerd stuff uh, for the night. Uh, I'm gonna now turn my attention a little bit to to focus on well, what uh, what about Philmont, and so. Uh, I have been spending my summers at Boy Scout camp um, most of the 35 years that that I have been a scout. Uh, that I've 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 been normally at our council summer camps. So I started off uh, here in in Kansas City in the Heart of America Council. We have two council summer camps, and I grew up about 15 minutes from Camp Nash, uh, where I went as a camper, and then later came back on on staff. Uh, I'm a, I'm a member of uh, Tamagon at Lodge of the Order of the Arrow. I am a I'm a Vigil Honor member. Um, some of you saw my my video of uh, taps that I did on on Memorial Day, and uh, my uh, my Vigil Honor name, so my Native American name that I was I was given when I was honored with the Vigil Honor from the Order of the Arrow, which is like society the the honor society of, of boy scouting if, if you will uh the native american name that i was given is ginshimun wasachgak that's that's lenny lenape or delaware indian that means sounding oak 
And here's the deal, because when I was on staff at Camp Nash, uh, I would always bugle at the, the flag ceremonies. True story, the, the first merit badge I ever earned, the first merit badge in my sash is bugling merit badge. And uh, a lot of you know I, I play the trumpet, so um, I, I really love that. And people ask, how'd you get started playing the trumpet? Well, I actually read in my, my Boy Scout handbook, do, do you play the trumpet? You could be your troop's bugler. Well, we found the old beat-up bugler in the troop trailer, and I said, well, I want to learn how to do that. So I, I literally started playing the trumpet because I wanted to be my troop bugler. And the, the rest is history now. And I, I was. And so I would, I would bugle at a flag ceremony every morning and evening at, at scout camp. And uh, one day lightning struck a tree that was right kind of near the flag mall. So it's maybe about 20 yards away from the flagpole. And uh, lightning struck this tree. And uh, so it got chopped down. But they, they left the, the stump of the tree uh, about three feet off the ground, maybe four feet off the ground. And uh, I jumped up on top of it. And I, I literally, I played my bugle from up on, on top of this, this stump. Um, and uh, eventually the ranger like took the chainsaw and cut some steps in the back of the stump for me. And uh, well, then some other staff members chopped down my stump. And you know who you are, Dave Evans. My stump got chopped down. And, uh, but my legacy as uh, bugling on top of that stump lives on in my, my Native American visual name, Ginshimun Wasashkat, Sounding Oak. So that is, that is where my name comes from because people remembered that I, I bugled on top of a, a stump. So if you, if you saw that, that video uh, from, from Memorial Day, that, uh, well, I got my start there uh, bugling way back to, to become a scout uh, bugler. And I don't, probably some of you saw that um, on, uh, I don't even know if I could potentially, no, I, I don't even have it to, to share. But um, what I did want to do tonight was then show a little bit about my, my scouting background and and particularly get to film on but so i started at camp nash and uh and then i eventually my camp the other council scout camp in the uh heart of america council is the uh h robartle scout reservation near uh osceola missouri and it's it's named after h robartle the famous mayor of kansas city uh a lot of people don't realize that the kansas city chiefs are actually named after h robartle uh, because like the Order of the Arrow, which has a lot of Native American influence, uh, H. Robartle was a, a blood brother of a, a real Native American in Wyoming where he was a young scout executive. In 1929, he came to Kansas City and brought with him uh, this program that he had developed with the, the Native American uh, people out in Wyoming. Uh, he was really impressed with the way that the, uh, the Natives would, would raise their, their young boys to become warriors in their tribe. How do you take a brave and make him into a warrior? How do you take a boy and make him into a man? Uh, natives have a, a process by which, you know, they kind of help do this as a tribe. And Bartle was fascinated with that. And so he worked with his uh, chieftain, blood brother, uh, to create what became known as the tribe of Mikose. It is uh, uh, also a Native American word that essentially means friendship and warmth. And he brought that program to Kansas City. And uh, the, the symbol of the, the tribe of Mikasei are eagle claws. So in addition to my vigil honor, I, am, I also have my, my eagle claws here as a keeper of the sacred bundle in the tribe of Mikasei uh, that Atro Bardo created. So I am uh, also very, most of those, not, well, 30 of those 35 years have been basically spent as a tribesman, I guess a little more now. Um, so that's kind of my, my Kansas city scouting connection. I've served on a lot of different committees and things like that. In fact, most of the time these days, I feel like, man, I am, I'm getting, I'm getting a little tired of doing all my scouting in a conference room. I'm the COVID has been a mess. I'm really ready to get back out and, uh, do some scouting in the, the great outdoors again. So in addition to council camps, however, um, we have, uh, some national Boy Scout camps. And uh, those, uh, 
we call high adventure bases often. And there are there are four of those. The the first and most famous of which is Philmont in New Mexico, which is where I'm going to go. Uh, but before we talk about that, there's also Northern Tier High Adventure Base in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness of Northern Minnesota and Southern Canada. Uh, I've been there. I've I've done like a 12 day canoe trek through there. There's also uh, Florida Sea Base down in the Florida Keys, and which, as you might imagine, is focused a lot on uh, uh, sailing and uh, things like that. Um, so uh, they do scuba and water things, and so that's all down in the Florida Keys. The the latest high adventure base that we added is the the Summit Bechtel Scout Reserve in West Virginia, near the the White River uh, Gorge uh, there, which which just became a, a another national park, I guess. Um, so that's the latest one. So there are four national high adventure bases. But Philmont is the the first one, and so it's the it's the most famous one. It it began uh, the name Philmont actually comes from the uh, the person who gave the land, which his name was Wait Phillips. He and his wife Genevieve and Wait Phillips. Uh, you would recognize their name from Phillips sixty six. He was uh, from well. He made a bunch of money in oil in Oklahoma and uh, eventually uh, was interested in, in ranching and, and the West. And, and so he, uh, he, he bought a bunch of land in a pretty historical uh, land grant area of, of New Mexico. And it's, it's right, uh, right where the, the Great Plains meet the, uh, the Rocky Mountains. And so if, if you're at, at base camp at Philmont, it is, it is flat to the east <clears throat> as you look to the horizon. And then the, the Rocky Mountains, the Sangre de Cristo range of the Rocky Mountains is, is, right, is right there to the west. And so it's a, a place where there's, there's ranchings and, and mountains and also... Uh, you know, mining, railroading, all this, all in that uh, area. So um, that's the historical part where, where Wade Phillips basically had it as a, a vacation sort of place. And uh, he, he then donated that land uh, to the Boy Scouts uh, so that they could uh, enjoy it. So 1938, uh, 1938, Wade Phillips gives his first gift. I think that's right. 1938 gives his first gift of land uh, to the Boy Scouts so that uh, they, they could use it. And he wanted to kind of see what, what they would do with it. And so I forget how many acres. It was like 30,000 acres or something that he first gave. Really liked what they were doing with it, so eventually he gave a bunch more in like 1942 or so, and and then that the total gift today with a few more additions, it's 140 some thousand acres. So it is the the largest youth camp I I think in the world. Maybe this this summer there will be around 25,000 uh, scouts there. Um, so it's it is a large uh, place, twenty five thousand scout participants, and uh, about twelve hundred staff. Uh, you know, so I will be I will be one of those uh, twelve hundred staff uh, down there. So it's a um, it's a well it's it's a it's a big big adventure. Uh, so um, I want to try to show a, a few pictures of. Of things and I'm trying to figure out how to uh, get that started so my my first uh, experience of, of Philmont I was actually in, in high school and our, our family took a family vacation as we always did in the summer and we were going across southern New Mexico visit an aunt of mine uh, in Albuquerque we went north and then um, we went up through Mesa Verde and Colorado and on the way I'm like we're gonna go we're gonna go right by Philmont so we need to go see it and I think that was like 90, 93, around there. So my, my first 
visit to Philmont was actually not as a participant or staff or anything. My my first visit to Philmont was just a sightseeing uh, because we were in the area and uh, decided I want to go see it. So much to the dismay of my sister, uh, we we drove to Philmont and we saw it. Uh, you know what you can see from base camp from the the parking lot. Uh, but that was that was my first uh, trip there. But my my real first experience of of Philmont from the participant side came in uh, 1996. And let's see if I can uh, see if I can get this up here for you. This is my my crew uh, from 1996, uh, standing in base camp. So you can see the, the little tents behind us. That's where everyone who comes to Philmont their, their first night. trail uh, because that little rock outcropping was something that people used to know that they're they're almost to Santa Fe there's a certain number of days that uh, you get to the tooth of time your X number of days from uh, from Santa Fe and the the end of the, the Santa Fe trail so that's uh tooth of time is the well the biggest kind of thing that is seeable from from base camp uh, that that people We'll, we'll look to. So that was my crew in 96. Um, all right, let's pull up when I went back. So this is my crew in 2006 uh, when I, I went back for what is known as the St. George Trek. is apart uh, like that but um, there's me and Bishop Conlin and our our, our St. George trick crew uh, this is always you take this picture on the morning before you head out so so there we all are looking into the morning sun right before we're ready to uh, hit the trail and uh, the way that the St. George trek works is that uh, you gather Catholic scouts from from all around the the country and uh, They've never met each other before, so we get together for like two days of retreat and then go up to Philmont and do the Philmont program. So each crew of the St. George Trek uh, is led by priests and seminarians, and in this case, bishop. Uh, and so the, the young men and young women, we, we've had crews of young women as well that have uh, religious sisters as their leaders. Uh, it gives them a chance to not only get the Philmont experience, but but also to get the uh, the one-on-one time with uh, priests and bishops and and seminarians, uh, and a lot of good vocations have have come out of this. Um, so uh, that was a, a beautiful uh, kind of time uh, for me there. Um, here's a here's a, a picture of uh, let's see me kind of up in the. If I can get me up there. I'm trying to figure out my, my pictures. I wish I could show these up better. So here's me uh, on top of that uh, piece of time. There you go. So that's on top of the Tooth of Time, looking to the west behind me. And so uh, there's a little valley down there over us. But um, that's from 2006. And uh, what a what a great trek that was. Sorry for you on the podcast who can't see the pictures. You're going to want to go to YouTube. <laughs> 
or our Philmont, uh, our uh, Facebook after this, so you can see the pictures. Um, yeah. So, pull you up another picture here. Here's another shot of the, the tooth of time. So you can kind of see how it sticks out like that. That's actually me from two years ago uh, when I was down as a, as a chaplain. So that's uh, a little bit of the ridge there. So anyway, uh, a few pictures of, of Philmont to give you a, a little taste of, of what that looks like. Um, so I mentioned that the, the program, uh, 25,000 scouts, and they're all coming from around the country, uh, arriving by multiple ways. So when I first went to Philmont, I arrived by train. Uh, my scout troop in 96, we took the train from uh, Kansas City down to Raton, New Mexico, which is about 50 minutes north of, of Philmont. And uh, you arrive by train, people come by bus. I mentioned I'm, I'm uh, flying down to uh, Albuquerque uh, this time, so that works. That works too. Uh, but the train was certainly an experience. It was my first time, my first time ever on a train. So I, I thoroughly uh, enjoyed that experience. I don't think I ever would have maybe gotten to ride on a, a train if it if it weren't for my my Philmont uh, uh, days. Uh, so that's a little bit as well. Okay, so a little bit uh, about the uh, the Philmont program. Those people in the picture that I, I mentioned, you notice that there's a staff person with us each time, and the, the person that, that leads this uh, as a staff person is called the Ranger, and uh, something that began a little over 50 years ago, uh, actually now, that uh, unlike a normal council summer camp where you go and you're like in the, the care of the, the staff uh, the whole time, uh, when you're at Philmont, you've got a little bit more of a free run of the place. so. What happens is when you first get there, you are, are met by your ranger, your staff person, uh, and he will actually go out with you on your trek for the, well, the, the first two and a half days, basically. He meets you in base camp, goes around, teaches you all that you need to know, uh, but then on day four, your, your ranger leaves you, and you are... You are on your own as a as a crew then to uh, figure out uh, what to do, and your your ranger has instructed you. So it's not like you're completely just fending for yourself, uh, but um, it is a chance for scouts to test themselves. And so one thing that I I really love about Philmont is that it it does uh, force uh, these young men and women who largely late junior high, high school age kids that are, are participating. And uh, it, it's a challenge. As you might imagine, uh, even if you've been doing some scouting, coming to Philmont means you've, you've probably going backpacking really for one of the first times in your life. And so you get out there and you're in a real woods, in real mountains. And, you know, as a chaplain, I know that we can, we can get vehicles, you know, if we need to in emergencies, just about every part of the ranch. But as a participant, as far as you know, you're out in the middle of nowhere. And yeah, there, there are bears and mountain lions, and uh, it's all real. And you're carrying 40, 50 pounds on your back, especially the scouts who don't pack very light. Uh, and, and you're out there in God's country doing it. And there are challenges and, and obstacles. And this is where I think, especially in the church today, uh, there's this notion to kind of make everything easy, dumb things down, don't challenge anybody, uh, just kind of beige. Well, Philmont is, a, is an actual real challenge uh, because it's a real wilderness with, with real obstacles. No one's going to lower the mountain to make it easier for you. You can't turn the rain off when the rain comes each afternoon. Uh, you have to learn how to, to deal with uh, the, the difficulties of, of what really comes up uh, on the trail. And, uh, I, I love it because you get people out there who are maybe a little timid, a little shy, not all that experienced. And you put them up against some, some pretty serious obstacles and they learn how to do it. And, 
one of the things that I, I love about that program is you, you get people that start out and they're different by the time you end. Um, I'm going to, this is uh, one of the, the things I mentioned the Ranger. So if you uh, go into a lot of the uh, the buildings in the backcountry or the, the office where all the Rangers meet, uh, there's this phrase, just change lives. And that's really what happens at Philmont. Uh, everyone who's involved, who does it, is there because, well, they, they want to change lives. And I know that sounds like a pretty tall order for, you know, just a 12-day backpacking experience, but that is what actually happens at, at Philmont, and that's why people, you know, keep coming back, why they love it, because we, we see what a, a difference it makes in uh, people's lives. You know, in the, the, the church, we... We have uh, youth programs and, and things like that that uh, people are involved in. And we, we're always looking for programs, you know, to help the youth. And the problem is, like, you know, we've got a, a youth camp here in the Archdiocese that a lot of our kids will, will go to over the summer. But they know when they go uh, to our Archdiocese and youth camp that they're, they're going to get religion. I mean, that's why we have the camp. They're going to do things like go to Mass and have, you know, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament and things that you would expect that we are are going to do at a religious camp. Well, Baden-Powell, who, who founded the Boy Scouts, you know, was asked about religion and scouting. He says, like, there is no religious aspect to scouting. The whole thing is religious. Uh, but it's it's kind of in the back door. Okay, so you don't hit people over the head with, uh, okay, here you are, and so we're going to do some overtly religious things in Scouts. It's more like, let's let's get outside in God's country, and hey, look at that sunset. Isn't that beautiful? Huh, why do you, why do you think that's beautiful? Uh, what's, what's that about? Why do you like that? Oh, maybe God made you that way. Um, so it allows us to kind of get God in, I guess, the back door a little bit as I look at it. Uh, so there's a lot of God in scouting, but you wouldn't necessarily know that that's what you're getting yourself into. With that having been said, Philmont is unique because of the, the long nature of what's going on there. As every scout who comes to Philmont is going to be there over a Sunday, sometimes two Sundays. Uh, so, what has happened is the Archbishop of Santa Fe has uh, commuted the Sunday obligation. Uh, so instead of attending Mass on Sunday, you attend Mass on the day that you arrive at Philmont and the day that you leave Philmont. And so uh, at Philmont, there is a Catholic chapel. So this is my little chapel where I will, uh, right behind it is where the priests live. But, you know, there's... That's, that's what a chapel at Philmont looks like. And so we celebrate Mass every day in that chapel. And so scouts from all over the country will be arriving every evening. I think it's maybe like 400 or something scouts are, are coming, 400 are going home, uh, maybe something like that, or maybe it's 400 total. Uh, but every night, the whole place shuts down and everybody goes to religious service. At least everyone is encouraged to. So there's there's Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, and LDS. Uh, those four are represented with their own chaplains down there. And so I, I love the fact that, you know, okay, this is not an overtly religious program, but okay, all of Philmont shuts down every night for people to go to religious service, either to pray for the upcoming trek or to give thanks for the, the trek that was just completed. Uh, so it's a, a great privilege to to be able to be a, a priest now. I remember going to to mass, and I thought that was just the the coolest thing. When I got to Philmont, I'm like, you mean there's there's mass at at Philmont uh, every day, and so that's that's why we need priest chaplains. Uh, but especially when I was on that that St. George trek that I mentioned, you know, we had mass, you know, not just on the day that we got there and the day that we finished, but we had mass literally every day. Uh, in the backcountry, and so I, I had mass on a, a rock in the middle of the forest at, at Philmont, and it's, it's some of my favorite times to to celebrate mass. People are like, oh, where's the most 
you know, uh, most meaningful place you've you've celebrated Mass, Father Sean. I'm like, I've 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 had Mass with the Pope in St. Peter's. You know, I've I've celebrated Mass with the Pope in St. Peter's Basilica at the the high altar with Pope Francis on the feast of St. Peter and Paul. That was amazing. Uh, I've I've had Mass, you know underground in the cave where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I've had mass on Mount Calvary where Jesus died in Jerusalem. Those are all in, incredible experiences. And, uh, you know, there's nothing quite like that. But I, I can say some of my fondest memories of, of where I've had mass, it would not, the list would not be complete if I didn't talk about, well, Belmont and having mass out in the, the beautiful backcountry of, of Philmont. Um, and here I'll, I'll share a kind of a, a, a postcard, if you will. So this is uh, just one of the, the beautiful places in the backcountry. Got this beautiful pine forest, and you can just see the tooth of time there. Um, so I, I actually won a photo contest. Uh, I don't know if this guy, this might have got first place, or it got first or second place, I think, in the category of porch views, uh, because there are cabins in the, the backcountry that uh talk about in a second but when you're hiking there are some places where you will meet up with staff and uh so there are staff cabins and they've got front porches and uh so one of the categories for the photo competition was just take pictures of uh views of front porches of staff cabins and so this is the view out of uh carson meadows i believe uh yeah so this is carson meadows uh in kind of the the southern area of Philmont, so a little bit less mountainous than the northern, a little more forested, uh, but there's a beautiful view with the, the Tooth of Time in the, the valley there. So just to, to get out there and celebrate Mass in that, that beautiful place uh, is, is something that uh, is, has been a big part of my life, and I'm you know, not, not soon going <laughs> to uh, uh, forget. So um, I mentioned... Uh, the staff uh, that's out there, uh, 1,200, I think this summer, 1,200 staff. And these are largely college-age kids. So uh, you talk about how it's, it's, it's real for the participants. You know, you got real mountains, real forest, uh, real animals. Um, well, the, the staff are college-age kids, young adults, uh, who will, will live there all summer. And so there is a staff that man's base camp. Obviously, you've got the the dining hall and you know all the, the admin and check in and procedures and everything that goes on at base camp. Then there are the rangers. There are a couple hundred, uh, a couple hundred rangers uh, that uh, will will take crews out and be their kind of Philmont guides. But but then throughout the backcountry, there are over thirty, I think, over forget now because we added some there are 30 some staff camps so a typical film on excursion you will go out and start hiking and you will spend your first night normally at uh, a camp that is just a trail camp so it's got uh, a hole in the ground for a latrine and uh you know uh maybe water maybe not water and uh a place to pitch your tent and so we call those trail camps because there's no staff there and you're just camping by yourself in the forest. But in addition to the trail camps, there are also staff camps. And these have really uh, evolved kind of over the years to now. A lot of the backcountry staff camps uh, are some kind of uh, period kind of um, uh, reenactment uh, historical. I mentioned that uh, there, there's a lot of history that, that's real about the area of Philmont. So Kit Carson had his, his home there. So there's a lot of mountain man uh, kind of stuff. Uh, it was a big logging area for the railroads and the mines. So there's, there's mining, railroading, um, all, all of that uh, in the history of Philmont. So the, the backcountry staff camps will recreate uh, some of these period things. So do interpretation, historical historical interpretation um and this is is something that uh again it's 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 real because they'll go into the actual mines that were gold mines at the time and and show the scouts well this is this is what it would be like to be a, a miner 
uh, in the times. And this will take them back into the mines and show them how they mined the gold, the copper, and and then, uh, you know, have them turn out their flashlights and, and find their way out in the dark and things like that. Or they'll let them uh, work on building an actual real railroad. So there were a number of historical railroads that, that went through Philmont. And so uh, one of the camps, they're actually rebuilding uh, that, that railroad uh, that went through there. So uh, it all kind of works together because in order to make the railroad, that's where the lumber companies come in. You need to make railroad ties. You also need to make supports for the mines. So the a number of the backcountry camps are logging camps where they, they, they show you how they would do logging, climb spar poles, uh, things like that. And so maybe some of you have seen some of the, the like lumberjack competitions and shows on maybe like ESPN, things like that. Um, I've been to famous lumberjack shows up in like Ketchikan, Alaska. Um, so that's some of the staff will do that. They will present period kind of reinterpretation of logging camps or mines or railroading or mountain man or, you know, black powder shooting. And the interesting thing about uh, these camps then is that, well, the staff end up living out in some, in some cases, historical cabins that Wade Phillips would have even had. He's got a couple, uh, his hunting lodge and his fishing lodge are still there that Wade Phillips built and, and would have known. But think about these college kids, you know, these mid-20-something, and they, they live all summer out in these little log cabins in, in the middle of the woods, in, in the mountains. Uh, how many college kids do that? Um, I am just so impressed with the, the staff at, at Philmont that talk about changing lives of the participants. I think some of the, the major lives that, that get changed are, are the staff. Uh, themselves because you think it's it's real out there as a participant imagine you know you've got 12 days as a participant but you got three months as a staff person so you you see all kinds of things including emergencies search and rescue you know interpersonal relationships uh things like that uh you see it all and there's there's not necessarily like at a council summer camp a, a quick kind of fix there's there's no one leaving Philmont to say oh you know I gotta I gotta leave for a couple hours and go play a baseball game uh no you're like a couple days hike away from you know anywhere uh so when there are emergencies or conflicts you actually have to handle them there's there's no like magic uh you know easy button to to press and just oh make it go away or you know try try something else uh no you gotta you got to make it happen and you got to figure out how to fix it. And uh, so I, I love that part about Belmont as well. And it's 20 somethings doing this and they keep coming back over and over and over because it, it kind of gets in you that you want to, you want to do that. Um, one of my famous kind of experiences out there actually came on my, uh, my St. George trek in uh, 2006 when I was out there. So I was, I was a seminarian uh, on on that trek. Uh, again, with Bishop Conlon was my my co advisor, and uh, I remember I was really I was discerning. Like I I'm not sure I'm a seminarian, uh, but do I do I want to be a priest? I think so, but I'm I'm not I'm not completely sure. And one of the things that I wondered uh, was, all right, can I, can I give up things, basically, to be a priest? Because I, there were lots of things, material things, like my, my job, um, you know, and especially uh, to be married. Could I, could I be happy by giving things up? Uh, and that was a, a question that was like seriously on my mind at the time. And so I, I had some money. I was a software engineer uh, and I wasn't sure, but I went to Philmont and all of a sudden I, 
you know, I, I too had the experience of a, of a participant where, uh, day four, you know, is rough. Your, your ranger leaves and you're tired and you've, you've been through, well, a lot. Uh, and you, you start to wonder, can I do this? It's, it's not easy. Do I, do I want to do this? And you push through and, uh, we had a, we had a crew that, you know, some crews are are pretty gung ho. They just want to do all kinds of stuff, climb mountains, go far. Our crew was not that kind of crew. And so rather than go climb some big mountain one night, we went down into staff camp a little bit early at Cypher's Mine, an actual uh, gold mine. And their, their program, uh, they do music uh, in the evening. So here's a, here's a little bit of Cypher's Mine for you. So here is, uh, you can see they're in their kind of period costume. They're, they're minors. And uh, so they do a little musical program. But I remember uh, that afternoon, we got into camp early because we didn't climb the big mountain. And I, I was, I was uh, kind of a transition point. This is about day, I want to say seven, day eight. And... Uh, I got to the, the mine and uh, we did the mine tour and then it started to rain and we're, we're just hanging out on the, the front porch, the front porch uh, with these staff members. And I remember looking into their little cabin and uh, at the, the time their, their light were candles. So there was no electricity. They had candles for light. They had a, a wood burning stove to cook their meals and eat and for heat, you know, that they, that was their stove and it gets cold in the mountains at, at night. Um, and you know, they were living there all summer. So these staff lived in this little cabin in the woods as real as any miners who would have been there before, uh, same mountain, same place, same candles, wood to burn. And, I remember sitting on that front porch and it starts to rain and I'm just sitting there listening to the rain. And so you can see from the picture that, you know, a staff person, one person starts to bring out a banjo and another grabbed a guitar. Pretty soon a harmonica joined in and it, we went for a couple hours just playing music and singing and, and sitting on the front porch of Cyber's Mine. And I, I remember thinking at, at the time <clears throat> how, how happy I was. And it's good to kind of take stock sometimes uh, and, and, and realize how am I feeling at the end of the day? We, we do this at Philmont. And I realized at that moment, like, I'm really happy. I really like this. And it hit me that, you know, I am happier than I have been maybe ever. And I, I don't have anything. I don't have stuff. Everything that I've got with me, I carry on my back for the last, you know, eight days. I'm going to do 12 days. I carry it all on my back. I don't have anything of this stuff, really, that I would have back in the, the city. And even the ideas of what would make me happy. Well, banjo and a guitar and a harmonica and a tin roof with some rain coming down in the middle of the mountains. Uh, and it just, it really kind of hit me that, well, it doesn't take a whole lot. It doesn't take a bunch of stuff to to be happy and and so i remember coming off that that saint george trek and feeling like yeah i think i could i think i could do this priesthood thing god will show me how to be happy even with without uh without a, a bunch of stuff i guess um so let me show you talk about the saint george trek here's a final picture of i think we had seven crews so 70 people, one of those crews was uh, female. So, so that's our, our rangers in the middle there in, in blue and the, the 70 of us along with um, some support staff and things. So that's the St. George Trek from 2006. And um, really, I think is the one of the things that helped get me say yes to continue seminary and to continue to the path to become a priest. Uh, so Philmont certainly uh, kept me coming back. Um, but uh, 
you know, one of the things that I, I then looked forward to is the Catholic Committee on Scouting uh, helps provide chaplains uh, down at Philmont. And so I thought, you know, maybe one day I, I could go back and, and do that. And uh, I was happy to be able to do that a couple of years ago. Uh, now, because there was there was a big fire in 2018, and I was 2019, and of course COVID and 20, and now I'm going to be back in in 21. But people often ask about you know like, well, okay, so the the staff experience uh, is you know either in a backcountry camp where you're doing some of that period reenacting, or you're a ranger, but but what about you know chaplains? And so. Um, it's a little interesting that it, it's sort of a, a ministry of presence a little bit because you're, you're a part of the staff, uh, but you're, you're obviously more experienced, uh, in, in, you know, a, a lot of ways than the, the college kids who are, are out there, but also in a lot of ways, especially as a new chaplain, you realize you're not as experienced in Philmont as the people who have been there for, you know, six or seven summers, some of these kids coming back, but very quickly, you just, you kind of learn to be there. You show up, and then your day might be, uh, you know, just visiting people, like making the rounds, seeing how people are doing, or you you might end up in in some kind of a a crisis, uh, because, well, one of the things that is happens is interpersonal interpersonal troubles, shall we say, uh, and a lot of times it's the adults, uh, quite frankly that are, are, are creating the, the problems um, because they, they don't always play nicely together or they, well, they don't all get along. And so sometimes the, the backcountry staff is, is able to kind of deal with these things and uh, they're super skilled, but oftentimes, well, maybe it requires a little extra help. And, and that's where the, uh, the chaplains can come in because we can go out and maybe provide some counseling a little conflict resolution, management, uh, things like that. And so uh, a chaplain might be just the person you need to, to go out and maybe just help people kind of talk through things and uh, get some different perspectives. And so a chaplain could be the difference between uh, a crew surviving and uh, making the whole trek or, or maybe somebody having to, having to go home early because they, they can't quite do it. Uh, so I know that my my time as a chaplain has has been one that uh, I'm I'm really glad to be able to contribute my part to you know maybe help save someone's uh, itinerary that they would have otherwise had to had to come home had I not been there as a, a chaplain to to maybe provide some intervention. Um, everybody's got their their kind of stories, but I'm I'm listening right now to a, a podcast of. The, the staff that have, have been at Philmont and talk about how what they're doing now. And so, so many of the, the people who have been at Philmont ha have gone on to serve in some just incredible ways. And so it's, it's great to be a part of this uh, place where a lot of people find themselves and, and find uh, their, their future as well. So I've, I've been talking a lot and I haven't really gotten to the, uh, the questions. John Anthony says, take more photos. I got a, I got a thousands of, of photos here. Uh, so I, I will be posting photos uh, from Philmont while I'm out there. Um, but uh, um, let's see if I maybe have uh, some other key photos. It, it is a, a working ranch. Uh, so there are horses and uh, burrows. Um, I don't know if I can just even let's see if I can do this. Will this work? Uh, no. Uh, let me see if I can get you. Um... Okay, fine. Uh, where are some burrows? Who wants to see some cute little donkeys? How about that? I'll find you a donkey. There's some donkeys. Okay, so there there's a, a full ranch here uh that includes burros horses and and cows and uh let me find you the burros okay here come some cute little cute little donkeys 
So there's there's some bros that are just out grazing. You got the the tooth of time in the the background there, uh, and the, the cute little bros and and what they're doing. So I do I do like them. They're they're neat. Burrows. What else we got besides uh, burrows, horses? Um, one time, our our crew was out there. Yeah, this was 2006, and uh, so our crew was taking a little break. Uh, or no, we were in for dinner, and uh, so while we're while we're at dinner, I'm sitting down in our campsite, and some cows just come out of the forest. Because uh, it's a working ranch, and the the cows, well, they get to graze, and so they get to go where they want, <laughs> and so they just came out of the forest, and so there's some cows there with us. So here's another picture. This one is uh, one of those backcountry staff camps that I mentioned. This one here is Crater Lake because this lake in front of it is well, it's kind of like a crater, and uh, so there's a, a backcountry staff there that does a, a campfire each night where they do some of that, that singing and, and backcountry music, uh, which to, I, I really kind of fell in love with, uh, that, that kind of music. And so I, I normally will, will enjoy some, some bluegrass, uh, even to this day. And a lot of my, my start of, of kind of loving that, that music came, uh, you know, a bit from, from Philmont and my, my time of, uh, growing to kind of love the the backcountry campfires and and music at Philmont. Now I mentioned the uh, the chapel at base camp, so we do have the the chapels at base camp, but there are also out in the backcountry there are a few um, also chapels. So there's a little chapel like this. This is a camp called Cimarroncito, and the the mountain there in the background is. Cimarroncito Mountain, um, Cimarroncito Peak. And so we'll have a little chapel like that where people on their, their backcountry excursion can go and uh, experience uh, maybe some worship in the, in the backcountry. Um, so uh, one of the things that uh, is, is nice when we, we get all the staff in there uh together this is some of the staff are like maybe three hours away out in the the wilderness from from anyone at, at base camp and so literally you you do learn uh how to to cope <laughs> with with the outdoor uh environment and in fact some of the the places that we get to use at philmont are are even off the the boundaries of the actual physical Philmont reservation and are in a, a part of what's uh, the, the Carson National Forest that, that we get to also use part of uh, through an arrangement with the, the, the Forest Service. And so let me uh, let me put up here some some pictures uh, from the Valle, Valle Vidal area of the Carson National Forest. So uh, this is a, a camp called uh, Ring Place. Yeah, that's Ring. And um, I love the cabin out there. Uh, it's just beautiful sky. And uh, let me let me get you some mountains here. So this is also Ring Place with a nice mountain called Little Castilla in the background. And there's another shot of Little Castilla up there. So I love that that kind of area up there. Just a beautiful place to be literally out in, in God's country and enjoy the mountains and the, the forest. And like I said, you don't have to do a whole lot to force God in there. You kind of propose and, and let people take a look at what's going on. Just enjoy it. And I, I apologize that I did not get a whole lot of time to... Uh, prepared tonight. I, I'm running around all over the place and uh, trying to take care of, of everything. And I ended up just sitting down and I kind of just talked scouting stuff uh, tonight. So anyway, this was just a, a little uh, 
special edition of, of Sean the Baptist Live to give you some idea of, uh, well, a little bit about Philmont. And so I know for those on the podcast, this is probably not all that interesting because all the fun is happening uh, in visual <laughs> uh, sort of ways. But um, I, I do thank you for, for joining me here tonight. Um, let's see if I have any other uh, so one of, one of the things that I'm looking forward to, to getting back there is the uh, the other chaplains that are, are out there, as you might uh, imagine. With I mentioned the four different uh, faiths that have chaplains, so it's it's also a nice kind of uh, ecumenical environment to work together with with some other uh, chaplains of different faiths, and kind of like in the mini- the uh, military where you are a, a chaplain first, more than you are just uh, a chaplain of your own denomination. Um, the, the same is true out at Boy Scout camp where we, we really do get to, to work together, um, with the, uh, the other chaplains. And it, it's really great to see the way we all kind of come together and everyone's a, a Philmont chaplain first before they would be, you know, a, a Protestant or a, a Catholic chaplain or, or something like that. Um, so I've got good friends out there that I'm looking forward to, to seeing over the next couple of weeks. Um, and uh, it, it's going to be good to get back with them as well. I mentioned that uh, that camp at uh, Cipher's Mind and that little place in the forest where people live. So let me uh, let me throw this up here for you so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. Uh, here is the, the little cabin uh, at um, Cipher's Mind in the middle of the forest where people live. Yeah. There we go. Let's give you this one. You can see it. So that's how I get around. The suburban down there is mine. Uh, and uh, so the, the roads are pretty rough. Uh, you need that four-wheel drive vehicle. That doesn't even do justice to show you the road that gets down into that, that canyon. But uh, that Chevy Suburban it will be my friend for the next four weeks uh, as it takes me all around the back country. And uh, like I say, some of those camps are like a three-hour drive. Uh, to get out to some of the furthest ones, and that's if the roads are are passable. Um, so uh, do uh, do pray for me out there. Uh, as I said last week, I'm going to try to, as best I can, do some. Uh, we'll do some uh, shows from out there, and I'll hopefully get some videos and, and things like that to give you a better flavor uh, while I'm out there. So. Uh, this was a little bit of a, a boring uh, show <laughs> for sure tonight because um, I didn't get a chance to plan it very well because I got busy all day. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Philmont and uh, at least show some pictures. And it will be better when I, I actually get out there because then I can do uh, a few more live things and, and give you a chance to see some of the real beauty live. And maybe I'll interview a borough or, or something like that. Uh, so... Morning message, things like that. I'm I'm gonna continue to try to to do it, but um, as you might imagine, being out in the wilderness, the internet is well somewhat unpredictable. So bear with me, and uh, I will try to do the best I can with the internet that I have uh, to to try to get you some some good stuff uh, from Philmont. But until then, tomorrow I fly to Albuquerque. I will be there until July third. Uh, when I come back, and uh, my next installment of Sean the Baptist Live, whatever that will look like, will be from the mountains of Philmont. So I thank you for joining me tonight, and if you've got questions or things you want to see, feel free. I got really no feedback from people tonight exactly, although Larry says he likes my stories, so that's nice. Uh, This was a little random because I like to have people in front of me, and I have no idea if you guys like this or not. Uh, I'm not even checking over on the St. Patrick's page to see what people thought. We'll do something on Scouts later that will be a little bit more organized, and I'll like maybe make the video ahead of time. Uh, but until then, uh, this has been Sean the Baptist Live, a special I want to go back to Philmont edition. And uh, yeah, in a day and a half, I'll be there. And so I look forward to bringing you there too uh, for Sean the Baptist Live on location at Philmont Scout Ranch in northern New Mexico next week. Until then... Good scouting, and God bless you.